Bible, Second Corinthians chapter nine. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep. To gain that which you cannot lose. After that song, we just want really to give an invitation. We just found the word for this particular song that someone can sing and just hit you in the heart. Best thing to do is just go to the altar and get things straight. Amen. And, uh, may we do that. May we do that. Second Corinthians chapter nine, starting at verse six. But I say that, but this I say: He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. God loveth a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes us, causes through us thanksgiving to God for the administration of this service, not only supplieth the want, forgive me. I, I picked up on a pastor's traits as far as speaking and teaching and preaching with an iPad, so I started that. You know, the problem is I need to learn how to use it. So, for the administration of this service, not only supplied one of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this administration, they glorify. Uh, sorry. But is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this administration, they glorify God for your professed for, for subjection unto the gospel of Christ, for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men, and by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Let us pray. Let Father come before you now. Lord, amazing to see your hand work. 
nine, two weeks ago, I had it in my heart to be able to preach this topic. Pastor's my witness. Never imagining that two weeks later I'd be standing here. Lord, again, I've been a good pastor. Bring him back to full strength with Sarah Boots and those others. Nick and Neha. The Lord, I ask you to be with me now. I pray that the folks here that are present, folks that are watching my live stream, people that may be watching in the future, that they may understand if it's possible my heart on this topic, on this subject. As I grow older, many of us as we grow older, we look back on our lives. Many times we wish we had done more. I wish I had. Be with me now, be with my lips. Jesus Christ, in my prayers. The title of my message this morning is To Love is to Give. A couple of things here before we get in, uh, rolling. Those who were here two weeks ago that were here in Sunday school, you're kind of getting a bit of the repeat of my lesson then, though I've modified uh, a bit of the Sunday school lesson more into a message. But uh, I will try to be as sensitive and loving as I possibly can be in this message here this morning. But I must speak the truth according to Ephesians 4.15, and I understand according to Ephesians 4.15, I must do it in love. Though I believe that many times it takes tough love to convey the truth. The, uh, I will also try to smile on occasion and be more sensitive that I'm not trying to come across the time at work and kind of offended that somebody came through in 110. Um, and then you can try to be more gentler and softer. But uh, I'll be trying to go through because I have a bit that I want to get it conveyed to you. And I uh, pray you just strap one of your seatbelts, hang on, and uh, we'll cover a lot of scripture as we go. Uh, I have a pretty extensive uh, introduction before we get to the uh, points, and when we get to the points, hopefully we'll just fly by. Charity never failed. 1 Corinthians 13, 8a. Also further down in verse 13, Paul teaches us under the control of the Holy Ghost that, and now abide in faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. No Hope's 1828 definition, charity, uh, goes, it's pretty extensive. In a general sense, love, benevolence, goodwill, that disposition of heart which inclines men to think favorably of their fellow man and to do them good. In a theological sense, it includes supreme love to God and universal goodwill to men. Secondly, in a more particular sense, love, kindness, affection, tenderness, springing from natural relations as the charities of a father, a son, and a brother. Liberality to the poor, insisting of almsgiving or benefactions. Four, liberality 
in gifts and services to remote public objects and utility, as in the found in support of Bible societies, missionary societies, and others. Obviously, we're dealing with Bill Webster's 1828 dictionary uh, when it comes to that point. Number five, candor, liberality, and judging of men and their actions, a disposition which inclines men to think and judge favorably and to put the best construction on words and actions which the case will admit. The highest exercise of charity is charity towards the uncharitable. Six, an act of kindness or benevolence as charity to life. And seven here, a charitable institution. Charity school is a school maintained by voluntary contributions for educating poor people. So if we use Bill Webster's extensive definition of the word charity, we can extrapolate the definition of charity as it relates to a biblically defined local church of Jesus Christ as a charitable, a charitable assembly of Christ Jesus followers. Charity Church is a church maintained by voluntary contributions of its Holy Spirit born again members for the fulfillment of the Great Commission of Matthew 28, 19, and 20. One commentator, one commentator on the use of the word charity in 1 Corinthians 13 states, the new Bibles don't care for the word charity. They change the word to love and nature plane because the word doesn't express the exact meaning of the Greek words used for love in the New Testament. They wouldn't have the problem if they left the word as it stands in the NAV. Charity is the better word because it reminds the reader that real love is a handout. It is freely giving, John 3.16, without any hope of receiving. The word love these days means many things, and I will stop or continue on with this conversation. I have maintained for years, and you've heard me say this here probably a couple times in, in their recent history, that the word charity is simply defined as a love that is proven by the act of giving. But charity is more than just that. It is also a heart attitude and disposition of a gracious mindset towards God and others. Therefore, to the degree that we love, we are also giving or gracious. If we love a lot, we give a lot. Correct? We love a lot, we give a lot. If we barely love something, we give that something or someone very little. I don't know about you, but that's been the case in my life. The problem with most troubled and failing marriages is a failure to give one's commitment to love their marriage, i.e. their spouse. Being charitable in the local church, or to be more specific, the area where members who are attendees giving of their time, abilities, and finances, I have seen and experienced, I'm talking about I, me first, I have seen and experienced, is an extremely controversial and touchy subject. Without question, when a person has a negative disposition towards a pastor or church teaching or preaching about the issue of money and giving, it will always be traced back to a heart problem, yeah. a love problem. I personally have never had an issue with being preached at or her teaching on the subject of financial giving, even when I had very little money in a family of five to support. 
When my heart has been right with God and His Word in the area of giving, giving has always been a second nature and a foregone conclusion. A secondary reason, it is a sensitive topic, is the severe pressures exerted on all people, church and unchurch, Christian and non-Christian, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 52 weeks of the year, year after year, to give to so many various causes and charities. You know what I'm talking about. You get phone calls all the time. I don't know how they have them out get that This is the act nature for association. What? Where are you guys? Can you give this? Appreciate it. Well, thanks. To give to so many various causes and charities that though a minute few may be worthy, far too many of them are worthless. Now, this is where I, I need to be careful as far as trying to be sensitive, but honest with tough love and truth. And bear with me and hear me out, because I, I know that this has potential of offending so many people. You heard me say a couple of years, weeks ago that my, my dad was a pastor all my life and, and started churches. And one of the things, one of the problems that he had in, in uh, one of his churches, I remember over the years, was... Uh, that he had members or he had attendees or he had people there that seemed to love things more than souls of people. Animals, wild or tame, dog and cat care and protection societies, environmental protection and safety mother-earth societies, the many police and first responders, benevolent associations, Tunnel to Towers is one which is a phenomenal association. Don't get me wrong. I really like it. I love it. Tunnel to Towers. They're doing a lot of great stuff. So don't, don't get me wrong as far as this. And, and I like the NRA. I like the NRA. And the such are very much worthless in light of eternity. Yeah. In light of eternity. What will matter most in 1,000 years? What will matter most in 100,000 years? What will matter most in 1 billion years? But before you can properly understand the nature of New Testament giving, you must understand one absolute fact. God does not need you me for our money. Psalm 24 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. God doesn't need your money, your abilities, or your life. But, but, God passionately wants you and your love for Him and for what He desires. God wants that. He wants us to love him. Don't we want that? I'm not talking about as far as don't we want that as far as our life to love God. You should. But don't you like it when people like you? Don't you love it when people love you? I do. I like it when I got a good woman that stuck with me for 30 
35 years in April. Marriage. She's loved me for 35 years. I can guarantee you she does not like me for 35 years. She has loved me for 35 years. Don't we want people to love us? And that's what God wants of us. God doesn't need anything, but he wants us to love him. Our giving should ultimately be done through a heart of love for it to have any eternal value, especially of any eternal value before Almighty God. The truth is, you can give without love, but you cannot truly love without the act of giving. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is 13 is very explicit about that. God himself proves that in the simple but extremely powerful verse of John 3.16. And I've used John 3.16 to define the word charity many times. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever did you should not perish but have everlasting life. Giving, also in John 15 13, is another very clear passage. Greater love hath no man than this that a man laid down his life for his friends. That is so true. We've seen movies. I'm talking about documentaries. We've heard of um, posthumous, posthumous, uh, um, I don't know how you pronounce it. Post, uh, was that posthumous? Thank you. I wasn't paying attention to English. But uh, of men who have gotten the Congressional Medal of Honor. Throwing their bodies on top of a grenade to save their buddies. Greater love. Who in history is the greatest example for all eternity? And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving and loving and loving and giving are almost synonymous and intricately linked together. Now, what I'd like to do here is just jump on a, on a, a point here in relation to giving. Let's deal with tithing for a moment. Giving your time to God. For many, many, many years, when I tithe my money, I've only given it to God. I've only given it to God. I don't give it to a pastor, and I don't give it to a church. Because pastors and churches always rarely have a disappointment. But when I give it to God, when you give it to God, that's where it's at. Now, with that being said, give your tithe to God through your local church only and always. Through the local church only, through, only and always. And this is why I say that. The local New Testament church is the only, get your Bible out, check it out, is the only God-ordained and established structure found in the Holy Scriptures for the fulfillment of the great commission given to us by Jesus Christ. That's the, only, that's the only structure, that's the only organization in the New Testament to accomplish the Great Commission is the local church. 
not any parachurch organization, televangelists, nonprofit Christian radio ministries, religious ministries, such as the many evangelistic ministries that are out there, and a thousand more like them, and many mission endeavors and projects void of a local church authority and oversight. Not to mention all the secular world system of charitable organizations through the governments, Hollywood celebrities, and I don't know about you, but I've gotten tired of it, the countless stores that hound you to round up to the nearest dollar. You know what I'm talking about? Did you know the nearest dollar to feed the starving children of Richmond, Virginia? Say what? Now that I haven't had children yet, I told you. That's this neither here nor there. As a Christian, you must remember that the lost world, false religions, and false doctrinal beliefs and teachings that a person must do good works to maintain or preserve and maintain their eternal salvation will give countless billions of dollars to all these organizations. But they won't give a dime to get the true New Testament gospel of Jesus Christ out to the world. They won't give a dime to a good missionary winning soul for Jesus Christ. They won't give a dime to Mount Victory Baptist Church to get the gospel out to our community and train Christians for effective, holy living in godly ministry. When's the last time you walked up to 7-Eleven or Walmart register? Boy, he says, would you like to travel to the nearest house to get to Mount Victory Baptist Church so they can get the gospel of Jesus Christ out to the lost and dying world? Let me imagine that decision, but I want to try to make a point. Whereas everybody else will do Thomas Pilling. As a general rule, this is a very general rule, but it's a solid general rule, the only means of financial resources for a local church to function and fulfill the Great Commission is through the ties and offerings of faithful church members, regular attendees, and occasional visitors. I personally give no money to any charitable organization because any extra monies I may have to give, I will give to the Lord through his local church that I am a member of. Thank you. This may be hard and even in some degree not politically correct, but it is the truth. It is the truth. Think about it. Will the world, will the government, will Marengo County donate money to this nonprofit organization to spread the gospel? Well, they'll give us some money if we go ahead and not require anybody to hear the gospel, but if we go ahead and have a, you know, a, a eating, you know, feed the, feed the poor type thing. But as far as getting the gospel out, no. Seven reasons. That was only introduction. <laughs> Seven reasons why a Christian should give to and through the local New Testament defined church. Number one. Giving brings honor to God through our obedience. 
Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thy increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. This, I don't want to get too far off track here. Just a thought. You know, that's a really gut punch of a verse right there in the bottom section. When people want to talk about wine in the Bible, it's all right for Christians to drink alcohol. And you try to explain to them that in the Bible there is two types of wine. There is a pure blood of the grape that is not defiled or fermented. Fermented wine is a picture of sinful blood. Jesus Christ had perfect blood without sin. It was pure. So when you have wine in the Bible that is new wine or fresh wine, it is talking about unfermented. Look at that verse again there at the bottom. And thy presses shall burst out with what? 50 year old vintage wine? No. New wine. It's fresh wine. It's great juice. Represents in the Bible, it represents the blood of Jesus Christ. Since it's a file, the blood of Jesus Christ by representing an alcoholic or fermented. But that's for another message. But I just, that uh, verse hit me last night when I saw that. And that crescent shall burst off with new wine. Number two, giving demonstrates we are thankful for what God has done for us. 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. I believe we read that earlier. Giving demonstrates we are thankful for what God has done for us. Number three, giving acknowledges God's ownership of all things. There's a number of verses there. But there the Lord is speaking here to in Job 41.11. When he, when he comes on the scene and he sets everybody straight there at the end of Job, and in 41.11, the Lord proclaims this truth. Who hath prevented me that I should repay him? Whatsoever is under the whole heaven is mine. Who knows it all? Question is, does he own your heart? Number four, giving proves the sincerity of our love for God. Giving proves the sincerity of our love for God. Second Corinthians 8, the Apostle Paul is teaching on giving, and in verse 8 he states, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion, by the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. Give me proofs. Stop thinking about it. Like, you, know, you say you love somebody, you give them stuff, don't you? Children say they love their little children. Or parents say they love their little children. According to the Bible, if you love your child, you will discipline your child. course in the world today we have a more sense of what love is. Number five, giving de develops within us 
some attributes of God. The attribute of giving there, John 3, 16, 1 John 4, 9. And secondly, the attribute of grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in chapter 9, and 1 Peter 4, 10. 6. Going back up to 5, therefore, giving develops within us some attributes of God. When we're sensitive to other people's needs, especially the lost world, can they see Jesus in our lives? How will we do? How will we say? How will we give? Number six, giving affords us the opportunity to invest in our life eternal for the hereafter. Again, I, I, you can never hear me pray for the offering as far as I'm big on that. One of, one of the major reasons I give is eternity. Eternity. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul is speaking about giving, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Matthew 6, 19 and 21, I'm going to read it here a little bit, but Revelation 3, 18. We have often heard that we can take nothing with us when we die. It's true. But during our life, live, we can send it on ahead. Being rich towards God. And number seven, giving procures God's blessings on our lives and personal finances. Now this here is a sense that one can come across, and some people can run with this in a really perverse, bad way, and say prosperity gospel and all this kind of stuff, you know, give to give. Now you have an issue if the motive is not correct for God. This is just a this is just a matter of I don't give to get. It just so happens that when I give, God takes care. That's right. We cannot outgive God. It is not possible to outgive God. Luke 6:38, Malachi 3:10. God's overriding principle for any investment, whether it be family or finance, whether it be soul winning or service, the more that I invest, the greater will be my return. I read this previously, 2 Corinthians 9:6. But this I say: He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And I'm going to wrap this up here in, in this conclusion. The issue of giving of our time, our talents, and our tithes and offerings is always a hard issue. Always. What we love most, we have no problem with giving of ourselves and what we own in any way, shape, or form to that person, place, or thing. In Matthew 4, 19-21, Jesus himself instructed, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust up corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Verse 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Right. It is always a heart issue. It's always a heart issue. 
The Bible instructs us that every word should be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Therefore, in Scripture, we have a second witness within the entire chapter of Luke 12, but specifically in three verses where Jesus is speaking. Verses 20 and 21 states, But God said unto him, Thou fool. I don't know if you know this reference here, but the rich man had a whole lot of substance. They had a whole big crop. He was, I'm going to tear up it out of my barns. I'm going to build bigger barns and just invest all this money for my retirement so that I've got an easy life when I retire. There's nothing wrong with that when you retire. What does God come back to him and say? But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And again, word for word in verse 34. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Jamelian. I don't know if many of you know who he is. Lived 1927 to 1956. He was murdered along with four other missionaries by Indians, natives in Ecuador. They were attempting to reach, they were attempting to reach the gospel. Jim Elliott, been a missionary there for a number of years, was only 28 years old. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep that which he cannot lose, to gain that which he cannot lose. Power is. As far as an invitation where you're sitting, the Lord knows you, the Lord knows your heart, the Lord knows where you are spiritually. If you're watching online this morning, if you need to do business with God between you and Him, the first thing that anyone needs. To know Jesus Christ personally, they're safe. If there's anyone here that doubts that, please see me afterwards. But I challenge you, especially the younger you are, don't be looking back down the road because you think you have more years. I deal with many, many, many times through these years. People that have abruptly had no more time. And age is no respecter, especially when we're in an automobile. Now is the time 
serious about living for Him, about putting Him first, especially when you spend eternity with Him. He's the only thing here that matters on earth. It's what we allow Him to do through us. And giving is just more than giving our life, our time, our talents, our abilities, our love to Him. Love for him. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I pray that we all would have a correct understanding of the importance of our giving and where we give it. We understand that to get the gospel out to the lost world, the world, the billions of people that are in it, won't give a dime to get the gospel out. It takes faithful people that love you. And if you understand that your structure, in the Bible that you ordained, that you've established, is the local testament truth. Lord, I pray that you this as we leave here today. I pray that you just travel mercies. Jesus Christ in my prayer. Before I dismiss you, uh, I just want to